Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Forever. Dog. When first choice is a big old bus, you turn around and boom, you end up with us. Happy second. Oh, diva. Our number is 213-536-9180. Our email is sloppysecondspod at gmail.com. And now on with the show. Hi, you sloppy, you fucking little stupid little bitches. You fucking bitches. I want you all fucking bitches. You just bunch of bitches. Are you ready for what? some sloppy seconds? Hi, I'm Meepaw, and that's Big Dipper. And welcome back Hi. to Sloppy Seconds with Big Dipper and Meepaw. You're so hostile today. I don't know what happened. I think because, like, um... Just I'm having computer issues, and I feel like my internet is lagging. I just don't know what's going on with the world. Is it possible that you've been stuck inside for a few months, and there's no leadership during a global pandemic, and it's just sort of stressing you out? Listen, as we said before, and I was talking to Abora last night as I was at their house, um, this is just how it's going to be. There's no one telling us what to do or what the rules are, so let's just start living it up. Put your mask on and go live your goddamn life, I guess. Be in control of our own health and safety. We did make every single person in Abora's house get tested, and I had two rapid tests done before I was there. Where'd so you sure get a rapid, a rapid ne- test? Negative. You don't need to know about my personal business. Okay, she, no, she, I she got money. It. it was paid for by the other thing that I was working on. Oh! To make sure that you. everyone on set was fine. Secret project. Secret, Secret project, baby. <laughs> Ooh, baby. Okay, so I was thinking about this, and I want to issue a challenge to you, and then we will get into our special guest interview. Mm-hmm. I would like to challenge one another uh-huh. to like make something new in the kitchen that we haven't made before. I know you love to make a puttanesca, mm-hmm. but I would like to, like, you can come up with something for me, I can come up with something for you, and we have to make it from scratch in that in, in our homes. Wait, and then why don't we, we just try to it. make the same thing, and we'll see, like, whose is better. Oh, great, we'll do two rounds. Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense. Okay, I, I, I think I'm down to do this. Do you but have an idea? What do you think that you can do better than me, bitch? Most things. T. Um... <laughs> I guess. <laughs> well, okay. What's something that I love? That I was. I thinking, would like you to make yeah. a, 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 a. No, you go. No, you go. You had an idea. Well, because but because your idea is pasta, and I was thinking I would love to see you make a pasta carbonara with like real pancetta and like all the right ingredients. Okay, the and make stirring. the pasta. No, you got to make a hollandaise sauce. Oh, and make the pasta. Yeah, because I got a pasta maker. <laughs> you are all over the place. I don't have a pasta maker, so I can make pasta without that? Yes. You need like a wine bottle or like a roller thing. And then just thinly slice you it just with gotta, a knife. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So what are all we right. doing? Carbonara? Yeah, let's do carbonara. Okay. Challenge accepted. Good. You fat okay. bitch. <laughs> all right. Let's take a break. We'll be right back with our guest. Bye. Eating 
Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. When my fridge is stocked with Factor Meals, I'm like, oh baby, I don't have to think about this. Mm -hmm. Like, it is so nice. The combinations are so good. I am a meat eater, but the vegetable options, there are so many. Like, I remember I had like a, it was like a mushroom with pasta and like a cauliflower rice. And I was like, the mushroom is filling. Like, there's plenty of uh, portion, there's plenty of vegetable, and there's plenty of flavor. And I am usually sort of not a microwave person. Mm-hmm. Very cool that this quality of food can just be heated up in the microwave. And so fast. I also love it because I am a, a very much into ordering delivery. I and know. now having all the food there, I can kind of ma- pick what I want and it's ready in two minutes. I don't have to wait an hour for stuff to get delivered. And these are way healthier options than ordering delivery. Completely. And when they have multiple things in them, you know, sometimes it's like, oh, if I cook for myself, all I'm going to eat is the biggest bowl of pasta you've ever seen in your life. But this oh, is yeah. like, you get a little pasta and the chicken and a vegetable all in one dish. Looking for gourmet meals try meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon shrimp truffle butter broccolini and asparagus and factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping cooking or cleaning up all you got to do is heat up and savor the good stuff customize your weekly meals with the flexibility to get as much or as little as you need pause to reschedule deliveries that suit your lifestyle and we're celebrating earth day all month long with factor look out for the earth month eats badge on the menu items for their lowest carbon footprint meals head to factormeals.com slash sloppy seconds 50 and use code sloppy seconds 50 to get 50 percent off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code SloppySeconds50 at Factormeals.com slash SloppySeconds50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. That's a sleigh, baby. Okay, we're back, and we are very excited, very excited to introduce our guest, an adult entertainer, porn star, and I can say star, the 2019 Gay VN winner for Best Supporting Actor in the film Slutty Professor, a a lover of push-ups, pit bulls, and penises, it's Bruce Beckham! (laughs) Hey, you guys, it's so good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Um, right from the jump off real quick, I was listening to last week's episode when you had Latrice on and oh. Meatball, you said that Shoshana Bean did the best wicket and you're hundred percent right. I've heard her. I saw her in it oh, years ago. Thank so, God. So Wait, you saw her? Confirmed. Yeah, Wait. I saw Sh- Sh- Shoshana Bean did wicket just after Idina Menzel in New York and I got tickets for like you know just after the initial hubbub had gone down. Shoshana Bean had gone in. Hubbub, hubbub, hubbub. Yeah, in a hubbub. I think that's great. Now I heard that she was really good. Poisoned Idina Menzel to get the role. Poison? I'm just kidding. But apparently, it was supposed to be Idina Menzel's like last night, and she was sick, so Shoshana went on. 
And then Shoshana I just did, filled the role for the rest of the time. You know, Idina Menzel fell through a trap door during her her. I heard that of, she fell through a trap door. A light fell on her head. She got like sandwiched in the lift. Just toward the end, just I I'm pretty sure it goes like this. Just toward the end of her run, she fell through the uh, one of the trap doors, and so Shoshana had to start a little bit early. Ah, but this is just gossip and conjecture. No one mourns the wicked. Ooh. Okay. So, um, Bruce, yes. you did porn for a while. Then you stopped. Then you made a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Why did you leave? And then why did you come back for the intrigue for the storyline? <laughs> because I spent the, my entire uh, adolescence planning a comeback and just setting it all up for this. No, I, I did porn initially as sort of a bucket list thing. I, I had some friends that did porn. I had a huge crush on a porn star at the time. And uh, right around the time that I became single and I just moved to Los Angeles, I met a couple guys who were doing porn and I thought now's better than ever. So I did it sort of as a hobby. I was bartending at the Abbey at the time. And that was really, yeah, I was there for five years. That was my main gig, my main income. And so porn was something that I just did like every couple months I would film something and then go back to my regular job. And I always sort of said, I would do it until I stopped having fun. And then about a year into a contract with a with a certain director, it was no longer fun. Mm. So I said, you know what? I'm going to tap out. This is good. So then I went back into nightlife and continued working in that industry for a long time. I had a job in L.A. that I really liked, very lucrative. It was a Spanish food and wine bar in Melrose. And then the restaurant collapsed. The Did y'all do tapas? <laughs> Actually, specifically, yes, but not really. It was called Compartir Dining, which is technically more authentic in Valencia, Spain. So instead of little plates, which are tapas, it was communal dining for a table. So people just ordered a lot of food for everyone to share. So really so they, COVID safe. Oh, yeah. That's what it basically, is. Everyone yeah, just basically. scooped their hands. Wait, was food. it also one of those restaurants where it had a communal table, like, and everyone was just at, like, a big picnic table sitting next to everybody? They had one of those that we used for either big parties or when we just had to fit people in places. And pe- that was the last place people wanted to sit because no one yeah. wants to eat dinner next to a total stranger, right? Yeah. So you know, it wasn't as desirable, but it was a really hard reservation to get. So ultimately people would take any place that they could. So wow. the restaurant failed and I was looking for other work within that same <laughs> Ain't industry. Ain't that the shit? You're like, a hard reservation. Everybody wants to get in. A very lucrative job for you. Yeah. And the restaurant still fails. Yeah, That's well, what so happened insane. was... The chef and the owner got into a, a war of egos. The owner assumed entire responsibility for the sex, for the success, and it was only due to the chef's food. Wow. So the chef had it with the owner. He's like, oh, you think you can do this without me? Okay, I'm out. Good luck. He left. The place crashed. You know, yeah. uh, and, and no one, people were coming there for this guy's food. They didn't want to, you know, deal with the other bullshit. So my income dropped like 75% in three months. I was looking Ooh. for other jobs in the uh. industry. And I, I thought basically, oh God, I really don't want to do this again. <laughs> At the time, I had a friend who was currently working in porn, and I found out that an old childhood friend of mine was actually a huge porn star, Rocco Steele. And we had oh. grown up together and been friends together. So I called oh. him and I said, how's the industry now? I'm thinking about doing a little again, maybe just to tide me over for the summer. And then I thought, oh, wait, what if I build this as a comeback? People always like to see a then and now. So... Uh, one company specifically, Titan, really got on board with that and really heavily promoted me. And I, I owe you know a large portion of the success of the quote unquote comeback to how heavily they promoted me were behind me because I did a lot of great work for them and they were awesome right. to work for. 
Um, Rocco Steele uh, is that porn star who uh, his dick looks like a baseball bat. It's sort of it's the so biggest big. thing ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's a friend of mine. And I actually, other than brief glances at promotional photos, I've never been up close to personal. <laughs> But my my understanding of his deal is that he he has a huge dick and he has a really deep, sexy, gravelly voice. Right. And he's sort of, you know, he's that archetype of like sexy hung daddy that people are into. But I think I think when he first appeared on the scene, I was living in New York and he was doing like promo stuff. And I read something that like he was a lawyer and then decided to like transition. into. I don't know if that's real or not, but I'm always fascinated by people who like are working some other career and then they go like you know what maybe i'll just full-time trans like transition into a different job and that job is porn you know there's this like there's this shitty idea that people who are involved in adult film are doing it as like a default or a desperation career right there's, there's a lot of people who do porn who are either doing it to pay for school or who have had real world jobs with a lot of demands and stress and then like wait so what you're saying is I can show people my cock and I can make the same amount of money. Right. You know, maybe, maybe I won't have health insurance, but pretty much my stress level. And there's a lot of opportunities. You know, I can only speak for myself. Comparing my, my work now, my career now, to when I was working in restaurants, I worked long, hard hours, 10, 12-hour days, six days a week, and I was still living paycheck to paycheck. And right. that's not the case right now. I work when, I mean, obviously we're in different circumstances with COVID, but prior to that, I was working when I wanted to with the companies that I wanted to, had the ability to travel, different opportunities had opened up to me. You know, n- no one's calling anyone to be on a podcast who's just a waiter at a restaurant on Melrose. Wow! So, <laughs> Whoop! No, but uh, I also find it. Uh, yeah, I also find it interesting that de- that desperation angle because I also think there are so many people who are in uh, in porn who love it who enjoy yeah. being exhibitionists who get off on it which makes total sense like yeah. yes that's the perfect fit for that absolutely it's just another expression of a certain form of artistry right well yeah and now it's so much more easy and accessible with like things like only fans and just for fans to start like selling it on your own have you found that doing that makes more money than working with a studio well depending on the level of 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 subscribers you're at with OnlyFans, it 100% put income earning opportunities back into the hands of the performers. Right. Because with studio porn, you know, what you get is big promotion from them, glossy images, a slick product, mm-hmm. but uh, they pay you a flat rate, they cut you a check for the day, and then that's it. There's no such thing as residuals or kickbacks. So, you know, you're you not getting pay- any residuals off of the nutty professor. Oh, sorry, the slutty professor. <laughs> One, also, one would think. I actually, also, you the Nutty it. Professor is already a nasty Girl, name. That's right, the right, one. Right. Actually, you said I, so many things that I wanted to make jokes on. Uh, um, uh, uh, you said uh, slick product. Mm-hmm. That's funny to me. Your right. comeback, working right. long and hard hours. I mean, Listen, we, my brain is just programmed for sexual <laughs> <immunity>. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, I, I know guys who uh, work in who work, work or worked in the porn industry who are getting paid a thousand dollars a scene and or maybe fifteen hundred. And, you know, they'd have to work, you know, a lot more to earn what they're earning through passive income on OnlyFans. I know guys that are making fifteen thousand dollars a month on OnlyFans. I know a guy that's making twenty five thousand dollars a month on OnlyFans. Now, 
he spends a portion of it on professional cameraman, editing, uh, right. social media manager. So I would say a solid fifth of that is probably going to paying other people, but still 20K a month is not a bad gig. Look, he's making no, his own micro economy. That's the minority. You know, I, I'll, I'll just speak honestly about what I'm making. I'm making just under $2,000 a month from OnlyFans, mm. and I'm in the like top 6% of the earners. So right. it's really not until you get uh... to that. Like everywhere else in life, that top 1% or less than 1% that you're really making anything that's like consistently good wealth money. Right. Well, also the thing is, is I don't know, some people charge so much on OnlyFans and they don't put out anything. Well, like, I was just having a, an online discussion with this with friends the other day. There are definitely fitness fitness models who allude to the fact that they're going to show you something behind a paywall and never do, but they still get a shit ton of naive subscribers. There's also plenty of people that sign up knowing, hey, listen, I'm not going to see the dick, but I like the guy and I like the tease or I want, I'm invested in the lifestyle aspect of it. The same way that people are invested in the Kardashians, you know, right. with the exception of Kim's sex tape, we've never seen anything sexual from them, but people are still obsessed with them and that lifestyle and, and follow them around. There are people on OnlyFans who have capitalized on that same idea. And I also think it's also about like marketing and intrigue because mm -hmm. there are also plenty of people. If you can do like a big sort of like marketing push and then snatch them, there's going to be a certain percentage of people who forget they signed up, who will yeah. passively give you a hundred dollars over whatever. And if your audience is big enough, that can actually be like a really like interesting money grab. And then you can sort of whatever, but like, you know, now OnlyFans is pushing like Cardi B is on OnlyFans right yeah. now, just doing yeah. content because you know she's in quarantine she's not playing live shows Shea Coulee just launched a, like an exclusive thing with OnlyFans so, so wait really is OnlyFans trying, to branch, trying to branch out yeah. and like become more of just like media but OnlyFans is basically willing to take anyone's money what they do is if you're oh. a performer on OnlyFans you have a subscription fee they host your content you get 80 percent of the subscription fee and they take 20 percent. Right. so anyone 20 percent. anyone who wants to try to put something online and hope that people want to see it they'll be happy to host it in exchange for 20 percent. yeah all right let's talk about your fitness journey because yeah, you sort of look like body honey you look like a bodybuilder version of prince eric i will take it <laughs> i will take it <laughs> I mean, I honestly, I feel like you have like the chiseled jaw sort of face structure of a Disney prince. And right. like, you know, there are people who are muscular and toned, but you're like, you're clearly, you've been doing it for many, many years and your body is like calm. I wish the audience could see you drooling right now, Dipper. Me? Yeah. Talk about um that body. I appreciate Listen, it. I, you know, I like a little more cushion for my pushing. Dipper and I have known each other forever. He's just, he's just making an honest assessment of a reality. <laughs> so, uh... so, I mean, listen, I have one of my good friends who refers to me. He has me as Disney Prince in his phone. So, there I mean, there's a good degree. Yeah. I looked out on some genetics when it comes to like facial structure and just like representing an archetype of what people like. That's just fucking dumb luck. I didn't do it. Meatball lucked that. out on genetics when it comes to diabetes and heart disease. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, you should see I'm about to lose a foot. <laughs> <laughs> but on the other hand, you know. It's my job to work out, you know, people, what people are signing up for when they see me, what a large part of my work is dependent upon is looking a certain way and being in a certain shape. So, mm -hmm. you know, I'm 48. Uh, I have been working out for the better part of 
25 years. So, wow. you know, every now and then I'll pass a kid on the street who's like, hey, yo, how do I get to be like you? And my answer is always the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time <laughs> yeah. to plant a tree is today. Right. So that's yeah. just to say it's an accumulation of work over time like anything else. That, that's an asset. You know? So how are you working out right now during quarantine? Is there like a gym, an outdoor gym <sighs> you're doing? So I got to say the first couple months of quarantine were rough. There were some YouTube, if I never have to do another YouTube living room workout in my life, <laughs> it'll be too soon. Plus I'm in a New York city apartment. So I have to consider the neighbors below me. I have a smaller space to do it in. I don't have a backyard that I can go kick it in. Oh, yeah. you know, we were, we, it was March. So we were in cold weather. Um, so what I did is I immediately signed up for city bike, which is a biking uh, kiosk service around the city. I, I love city, city bike. bike. Shout out to city bike. Uh, and I rode around Central Park on the bike, even in the cold. You know, there I am in 40 degree weather, kicking it around. And then I did these living room YouTube workouts for the month of June, from Memorial Day until Gay Pride in New York. I went back to Ohio to visit my family who lived there. At the time, their COVID rate was very, very low. So it was a lot safer places and their gyms had reopened. So oh. I went to Ohio, stayed with my family, worked out at a gym there for five weeks their numbers started to rise and I was starting to miss New York. So I came back just about two weeks before New York issued statements saying that if you were coming from Ohio, you'd have to quarantine. So I Whoa. got back here on my way back. I found some kid that had an old dumbbell set for sale on the other side of town. I picked up those dumbbells, brought them back to my apartment. You couldn't even buy dumbbells online all spring. Everything what? Was Everything yeah. was sold out. Everything was sold out. Yeah. Or they were being price gouged. You could buy a set for like 700 bucks on eBay. So I found a set of dumbbells and then just, you know, you have to get creative like everything else. You can look at <laughs> well, you post videos of doing push-ups or uh, pull-ups on scaffolding all yeah. over New York. Which Listen, is anywhere can be a gym, baby. Yeah, it's just a matter of like you wake up and decide, am I going to figure out a way to do this or am I going to figure out an excuse why I'm not going to do it? Right. And for me, I'm like, anywhere can be a couch, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I can lay down um, on the street. I have a question. You said you were like riding the bike around. What? And people walk up and ask you about your body. How often do people recognize you? Or do you get like a look from somebody where they're like, it's where you more, feel like it's. Yeah, it's more a look because unlike another type of mildly recognizable figure, people recognize. Why'd you look at me? <laughs> they, if people recognize you it's because they've seen you at a show or da, 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 da. if people recognize me it's because they've masturbated to me so they're oh. a little shy about it they might not want to admit or they're with friends and they don't want to you know people are still funny in 2020 about having shame about their sexual appetites that's so, so weird they're a little cautious or there's the opposite. Sometimes they were like, I was in Chicago for an event a couple of years ago and I hear these guys like huffing and puffing and yelling behind me. And they're like furiously riding bikes to catch up to me. They're like, Hey, Hey, Bruce, could we get a photo with you real quick? Doesn't happen very often, maybe once or twice a year. And mostly because I really think they're just sort of looking at me, acknowledging me, but they're sort of embarrassed at how to start that. Yeah. The shame of being you know? like, I jerked off to you. Yeah, but it's listen, that's my work. It's what it's there for. People right. will be like, oh, you know, will like mutter, so, oh, I've seen your work. Okay, cool, great. I love that you've seen my work. That's what it's there for. Right. Let's talk. I want to talk about casting and Ooh. like on camera chemistry. Obviously, for like OnlyFans content, I know for a while 
you were dating someone and you were like, I'm just going to do solo stuff on OnlyFans or something like that. But when you're when you're either casting people for your own produced content um, or for the studio, like, did they ever ask? Did they go like, hey, we want to work with these three performers? Like, which one of them are you interested in? Or is it just sort of like you show up and you have to fuck whoever's there? I've been lucky in that I would say 98% of the time the studios have presented me with this person is available as a scene for you. Is this someone you want to work with? Yes or no. Or they've asked me, Hey, which guys that we have that we filmed with, do you like that you want us to put a scene together with? Because they know you're going to get the best chemistry out of a scene. Performers are actually attracted to each other. You know, there's been a few surprises. I did a scene for Titan where I thought I'd met the guy the night before and he seemed really bitchy and really just gross. And it was only because he'd flown in and had a late flight and he was really tired and he was probably nervous. And the next day we filmed together and it turned out we had a lot in common and we got along really well. It was one of the easiest favorite scenes I've ever filmed. But mostly they do try to work with you because they want, they know that something extra is going to be added to it if the people involved actually have chemistry. I've never been in a position where I had to work with someone I didn't want to. I have said no ahead of time and been like, no, I, I don't want to do a scene with that person. And then nothing's ever come of it. They've been like, okay, great, no problem. Um, once or twice I've been surprised day of, because sometimes models can be notoriously flaky. So they, they won't show up or they won't show up on time or they'll, once I heard from a studio, a model went to the airport and said he was on his way. It might have even taken that flight there and then just never shown up to the set. I love a, I love a shady bitch. It's morning of, and they're trying to figure out what do we do last minute? So there was like once or twice where I was supposed to film with person A, but person B's scene partner had never showed up. So they just shoved them into my scene or there was another last them in. Yeah. It's a threesome now, baby. A A studio I work for films out of Vegas and there's a lot of guys in the Vegas area that do porn. So, Performer A couldn't be there, so they're furiously calling around to find a replacement, and then they just find someone. And, you know, as a professional, you just go with it. Is there a bar in Vegas called Fun Hog Ranch, or did I make that up in a fever (laughs) state? I mean, the only bar in Vegas I know is Piranha, right? That's a bar there? I have never been to Las Vegas. I I don't do that. Anyway, I have a question. How long are you – you were talking about being on porn sets. How long are you on a set all day with just like a hard on? And are there like fluffers? Have you ever so, used a fluffer? So uh, the bulk of studio porn is shot in a very specific order. You'll show up. They'll have you fill out paperwork, uh, present your ideas because they get all the legalities out of the way. Mm-hmm. They'll do the glamour still photography ahead of time with you as an individual. And then you with the scene partner in various states of undress. Um, <laughs> and then... They will, and that takes us through about the first half of the day. And then the second half of the day will be the actual videography of the sex performance, during which sometimes they'll stop and start to take high resolution promotional photos in the sex setup. With like the wet dicks and the dripping bubbles. And And now who's wetting the dicks? So (laughs) so the the general time frame to shoot a scene for studio porn is anywhere between six to eight hours. I've finished in as fast as three to four. And it's gone as long as... No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I wish. I've it's gone as long as ten to twelve hours for for a scene once. Yeah, and, and you're just, just on, you're just edging shaping your dick raw. Well, you're just it's edging not, all day. It's not all active time. There's a lot of downtime. I've worked for studios where the 
they've taken a break halfway through so the crew could eat. And obviously the performers can't eat because we still have to have dicks going in and out of us at some point. So we're just sort of standing around like, what the fuck? It's not the most efficient way. And we've actually said amongst performers, we wish there would be a union and a union rule that says over a certain amount of hours, we get paid more or differently because that would light a fire under the asses of everyone in production. If they right. know after we hit hour five, they get time and a half. So let's keep this shit moving. I have right. a question well, about let's... production. But, it... but really, really quickly, to be fair, there are sometimes physical stalls, like if a performer is having difficulty getting hard or... Um, I've been on sets with a few bottoms who just wanted to go touch up and make sure they were cleaned out properly before we started filming anal. So that, that sort of stuff happens to be expected. Love it. Love an anal touch up. Yeah. I was <laughs> like, I love that you call it a touch up. <laughs> Throw a little powder on its hole. What were you, what were you going to say about production people? What's it like? What's just, what's it like fucking with like five or six people in the room? So and are they like all straight people? There, there usually isn't that many people. The oh. most, the most I've ever, I mean, quite, the bulk of the time it's just been the performers and two cameramen Ooh. most studios now are using two camera people so they can get multiple angles at the same time when you go to the one camera system you have to stop and then redo what you just did with a camera from a different angle so that takes more time that's more tedious but it's usually them maybe one production assistant holding a light or uh, there are more people hanging out with a drag queen on a Zoom call than there are yeah. like in the studio. Yeah, and it's, yeah, it's they should do it, it like a sitcom, a three camera setup. You know, that's, <laughs> get that's, y'all I, in there. I think track. back. I think back when porn started in the seventies and the eighties. I think it was treated more like a film set, right. and now it's like. Well, the other, th- the other reality is that the porn industry isn't making as much money as it used to be. So every extra person on set is another check to cut. Right. So I've. I've been on sets where people were doing double duty. Again, <laughs> that's the fun. So many. That one was okay. free. I want to ask some questions about dicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a mold of your dick? As a, what's that, meatball? Is there a mold of your penis? Oh, is there? There is not a mold of my penis. I've never been approached by Fletch, Flesh Jack to do that. Well, I'm approaching you now. Part of the reason <laughs> is because I've not been exclusive with a company in this okay. most current comeback. I, I, I don't know for sure, but I think some of those people who have flesh jack models, it's because they've been exclusives for an associated studio at the time. I don't know. I would I would do it. I you know, I don't know how it pays. I don't know if they pay you a flat rate. I don't know if you get a percentage of the sales after that, but you know, any contribution I can make to make people happy. <laughs> <laughs> and and okay, so we were talking about on set set, uh, you know, People always talk about Meatball asked, is there a fluffer? People always talk about this. I remember going to the video store, watch and renting a film called Fluffer or The Fluffer. Do you know do you know that movie? Which I don't, but I'm I mean, I I'm sure it exists. It's it's this weird, like psychotic thriller about this guy moving to LA and getting a job in the porn industry, and it's like it's like the late 90s so it's like this like vhs i've seen this and then he becomes obsessed with the porn star and the Uh, porn star is a straight guy but chooses him to like fluff him on sets and then they like have this like wild like thriller murderous sort of violent Mm -hmm. it's a really like fucked up film but anyways i feel like everyone's fantasy is like i'd work on a porn set as the fluffer i'll suck everyone's dick i think that's an urban legend that benefits the fantasy of the fans every right. set i've ever been on the only people fluffing each other are the scene partner and that's really right. tough 
if if I have oh. to go do some still photography and they need to be hard, they need me to be hard. I'll go over to my scene partner and be like, "Hey, can I suck your dick for a minute? I have to be hard for the scene." And right. they're always like, "Sure, no problem. What do you need?" That you know, that's friendship. That's, that's coworkership. That's allyship. Yeah. That's yeah, an ally. Exactly. Employee of the month. Oh, wait, have and- you ever worked with like straight people? The very first porn I ever did was for Blue Blake. And my scene partner was a Czechoslovakian, Czechoslovakian hockey star named Robert Van Dam, who was living in the US. And he identified as straight. While Jean-Claude's we were, nephew. Yeah. While we were filming, he, you can tell in the scene, his head's always at a 45 degree angle because there was a monitor off screen with straight porn on it that he was watching. However, I think anyone who's doing gay porn is on the spectrum of sexuality somewhere. Yeah, yeah. This guy used to, when I worked at the Abbey, he would come in with a girl, drink at my bar, and try to get me to go home with them. And I never did. Why would I? I already did I already did it and I got paid for it. Yeah. Right. Why do it for free? And he was checked out while you were doing it. just watching that other porn um okay let's take a quick break but we're gonna keep the porno questions coming we'll be right back and we're back this is normally where I ask about Wicked, but you're a Wicked fan. So I'm going to ask you about escorting. What's it like oh, to have really wow. hot clients? Wow. So I want to start this segment by saying, you, you know, don't sex, do it anymore. sex for money is technically illegal, but I'll be happy to tell tons of stories that I've heard from friends of mine who are in the industry that uh, allegedly are doing that type of work. So yeah, I just have some very intimate knowledge about some specific situations that were told to me by friends who may be doing it. Yeah, it's, we uh, wanted to bring you on to talk yeah. about just and some of these questions could yeah. just be hearsay and opinions. Right. We'll right. say maybe if this happened, so, what would you do? With that disclaimer, have at it. What? what? Okay. What, what okay. percentage of your clients are like hot, hot and you like really want to be fucking? Three to five. Three to five percent? Three to five percent are hot. The reality is... if That makes me feel horrible about when I buy sex. If if someone (laughs) is paying for sex or companionship, they are generally lacking an asset in some area. And sometimes that is attractiveness and sometimes that is personality. It's not always the case. But because, listen, I've had clients that are very busy type A, well... I've had clients, someone I know has had clients who are very busy (laughs) type A personalities and they're just outsourcing sex like anything else. Listen, I don't know how to make Thai food, but every now and then I want Thai food. So I'm going to call the person who knows how to make Thai food and have them deliver it to my door. And it's sort of that kind of thing. You know, every now and then there are couples who maybe one is traveling for business and wants a little something extra while he's in a different town. You know, I've, I've heard of couples who hire guys as a birthday present to the other. Like, oh, right. you have That's seen this performer, and I know you like him, so we're going to have a little special experience sometimes. Have you ever been pretty womaned? I wish. <laughs> I wish. Uh, I send a meme to friends of mine every time they're asking about my work, and it's that scene where Richard Gere asks her what her name is, and her response is, 
whatever you want it to you be. You want it to be. Yeah. What's uh, your dream? I, I, I'm trying to think if I've ever heard a story of a gay escort who was pretty womaned. I know if I know a guy. I know a guy in New York City who is set up with a comfortable life and a job working for the company of a wealthier man. But I actually think they have a real attraction to each other. I don't think it's just a purely business relationship. Right. Um, which is what that movie was. They had an attraction to each other. It wasn't just like I'm. You know, there's a difference between a relationship and a sugar daddy. Is yeah, I there... mean, how could you not be attracted to Julia Roberts? Hey, to either one of them, my God, I have I have had on occasion heard stories about uh, a client that was really really attractive. Where I thought, oh my God, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. I would actually do this for free, but right. it's not often. It's not often. Is it often practice among people who uh, date for money uh, to send for the client to send a photo? Is that like a general thing, like under the guise of like safety? No. Uh, the so you're showing majority, up not knowing what they look like. Ninety-eight percent of the time, yeah, yeah. Because these people do you practice not cracking your face in the mirror. You know what I do <laughs> every time prior to knocking on a door. I take a deep breath. I say. I say to myself, you've got this. Here we go. And then I open up to whatever the surprise of the evening is. A whole new <laughs> And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because I bartended for so many years, bartending is a great lesson in how to communicate with everyone. Right. And you just you just learn to find the commonalities. Okay. There's something about this person that's attractive. So I just need to find it. You know, or right. It's also an acting gig. It's it's the idea of like, okay, let me try to assess and read what they're looking for, and then let me give them that, you know? Honestly, one of the roughest types are the ones that have watched my studio work and think that that individual is the entirety of who I am. So they're expecting this big, larger-than-life cartoon archetype, really aggressive, verbal, vocal experience, and that's just not always what real life is. That's poor yeah. is not sex is like in real life it just right. isn't you know and unfortunately for their sake i've crossed paths with people who because they're closeted they have no idea what gay sex is really like or really i don't know maybe what relations between two people are like at all so their only knowledge of how to behave in a sexual environment is by trying to replicate what they've seen in porn and it's always obvious and it's always a little sad because you think oh wow you've you've never really done this before you know i think that happens a lot with young young people too yeah. they're sort of like first experiences like we i we've seen that in media all the time yeah, it's like, like my first experience should be like a foot on my neck and spit in my mouth and right just exactly. like thrown down a flight of stairs right it's like at least no, talk I, about that first yeah it's funny i i talk about this with friends of mine every now and because of social media because of how sexually open we are as a country for the most part because we have things like tumblr and grinder and pornhub that didn't exist when i was younger when i was 20 or so my idea of hooking up with someone was like maybe finding a hot guy and like sending the signals and you'd go back to their place and you do something. Now you've got 19 year olds DMing tons of people. Hey daddy, want to destroy my hole? Like I never spoke like that when I was 20. How'd you, you know? get into Meatballs DM? Yeah, stay out of my business. <laughs> and listen, there's nothing wrong with it. I Thank think you. If, if that is where your mindset is and that is what you're looking for, that's great. I just think, it's a lot of imitation. I think people, I think young kids think, oh, this is how I'm supposed to talk. And it might not be genuine to who they are. So 
you know, sometimes sometimes messaging a bunch of strangers, the doors unlock, let yourself in, dump a load in me. That's super risky, you know? Right. It's not well, now, what part of that is risky? <laughs> <laughs> Only if you've left your credit card on the night. <laughs> well, I guess I'm curious, like, um, I'm curious sort of what I'm sure people, huh, I'm so fascinated by that experience. Like, you knock on the door. You your open friend, it. Your okay. friend knocks on the door. Your friend is, and there's, there's like, they open it, and it's like an episode of My 600-Pound Life. You know, I want to say something. You asked about if they ever sent pictures. Most of the time, if someone sends pictures, it's because they're thinking, I'll look at the picture and be like, oh, you're cute. Let's do it for free. Right. Oh, oh interesting. I was thinking, what about if a fatty is there, and they're like, are you okay fucking my fat body? Once my or fat, twice. fat, gelatinous, rotund body. Once or twice, rotund. I've had someone intimate hey listen i'm a little bigger is that a problem or i'm plus size is that a problem and my answer is always no you know we're right. we're all god's children yeah, you got my... enough we're all god's children <laughs> as you pick them up and throw them across the room did you hear the part in the uh latrice episode where she talked about slick legging uh-huh in the shower <laughs> right when they're not getting it in but they're just rubbing it between the right. thighs like, yeah. just slick so, like me that's i could fun. have been doing that for so i could have saved my wholesome trouble <laughs> listen listen it's a it's a real great trick if you have someone who wants to top you and you're not so into the idea of it right they'll usually take that as an alternate solution <laughs> well you got good let me good. just lay on my belly and slam my thighs together but yeah listen <laughs> I, I actually, some of the clients I've had that are not what people would consider traditionally attractive, uh -huh. they're often they're often a lot easier because they're happy to get it. They're ha they're happy to get it, but also they're not used to being treated like a person. So when you just interact with them like a Ooh. person and everything's cool, that they really appreciate that. You know, it's like it's like the woman at the grocery store that no one pays any attention to. If you just stop and be like, hey, just, how is your day going? They're, right. they're so moved by that. So being nice to someone that maybe mm. the world is a dick to constantly, that's very powerful for them. Huh. Yeah. I've never thought about people that way. <laughs> well, <laughs> well yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of what I was wanting to get, get to is like that the experience you're talking about, sort of all of these experiences are really unique to the general public you're not telling us about yes i work a retail job and then i you know interact with my you know like family or whatever it's like these are unique experiences and a lot of which we all sort of fantasize so it's really interesting to hear it talked about in such like a sort of normalized way i'm curious like what those people ask you like do you get a lot of the same questions do you get a lot of like sort of like usual responses prior to meeting or when we're meeting do they either either parts? or both i mean prior people just try to generalize what it is they're looking for or i'll ask them to explain quite often sure. people will say what are you into and you're like my rent check why don't yeah. you I, that's the weird thing because it's like <laughs> why would you pay me to come over and do yeah. what i'm into it's what i you. usually say is this experience is about you so let's try to try try to provide you with what you're looking for right but but they're asking that question because their ego wants them to not believe that they're paying for it. They need somehow to believe that I'm choosing to be there. Yes. Oh, I'm I'm getting something that feels good for me too. So the the money, that's just peripheral. That's just a, like a little thank you on your way out the door. Right. You know. Have you ever like just pulled out and spit on someone's back because you couldn't come? 
spit on their back? Yeah, I'd like to pretend like you can. I have never faked an experience with a client, but I will sometimes tell them this thing that you're asking for, I don't guarantee that. And some have said, oh, well, that's a deal breaker. And I say, okay, no problem. I'm not obligated. You're not obligated. Have a nice day. Yeah. You know, there are unfortunately others who believe that dollar amount is in exchange for doing anything they'd like. And that's just not the case. You know, well, what Should is we, the wildest, yeah, well, weirdest thing that you have agreed to do? You know, I'm pretty vanilla in real life and in those experiences because I try to, I, you know, I, I'm safe in terms of sexual responsibility. I also right. don't take clients who are on drugs. There's a lot of guys on meth who are hiring escorts because they want someone to co-sign that behavior and just party for hours and hours with them. Right. So I've avoided all those situations. So I tend to get some just sort of like odd, but very safe fetishes. I had a guy that had an obsession with uvula that thing that hangs in the back of your that throat. little Isn't dangly the, the thing car- that hangs in the back yeah, of the yeah the cardi b reference he was obsessed with those and so he asked me to come to his hotel so he could stick a camera as far into my mouth as possible and take photos of it and that's all he wanted did he have like like a like a and medical that was camera <laughs> he had he had a traditional camera, but it had a specific lens on it that was longer and thinner so he could get back into the back of my throat. And my job was just to lean like up against the hotel wall, open my mouth as wide as possible so he could fit the camera in my mouth and take photos. I love I, that. Yeah. I can't. E- I don't even know. Yeah. I would have been like, well, while you're in there, can you check my sinuses? And you know, because it was so easy, <laughs> I have a friend that doesn't escort, That a friend of mine in Los Angeles that doesn't escort, but I told him, this isn't escorting. There's just a dude who wants to take pictures of you from a funny angle, and it pays this much money. You should do it, too. So yeah. I told the client about my friend. He thought my friend was attractive, too. My friend made an easy quick. I think it was 500 bucks. Like two minutes time. Listen, I got a uvula and a big old mouth. Send it my right? way. Right. right. What, about, what about role play stuff? So I primarily don't do any of that. I know a lot of guys who do. But I, you know, I've always sort of branded myself and it's a very authentic branding as like the porn star you'd want to take home to meet your parents. I'm pretty vanilla. I'm very accessible and and friendly. And so when people ask me to do really intense role play stuff, for the most part, I just decline. I say that's not really. okay. but what if someone came over and was like, I just want you to stick like four fingers in me and then they make you fist them. I've never fisted anyone ever in, except for, well, no, 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 except for a guy that I was on a date with. Uh-huh. Uh, we were, he was cute. We were fooling around a finger or tease. He's like guiding my hand toward his butthole. I stick a finger to, I like fingering dudes. And then it was three fingers. Then it was four. And then I caught on to what was yeah, happening and I felt him grab my wrist and slowly ease my hand inside. And I sorry, he grabbed your wrist. He grabbed it with his butt. <laughs> no, no. He took his hand and put it around my wrist and sort of, you know, nudged my hand oh my a little God. further inside. And that's oh. when I realized it was happening. But then I thought, okay, I have to go through with this just so that I can say that I've done it at one point. And it, it it was not really any kind of a thing, except it just wasn't for me. And it was the movement of the bones that I could feel from inside that was like, yeah, I don't, I don't want to. And that's Dipper's favorite part. That's why yeah. I like feeling like a puppet master. And listen, everything is for, there's a, there's a, people always ask me, 
all the time, can I get into porn? What should I do if I want to get into porn? There is a medium of porn for everyone. All you have to do is find a studio who has models that look like you and send them an email. And there is, there is, uh, there's a, there's a place for everyone. There's, there's uh, handicapped porn, overweight porn. Um, it's unfortunate that, you know, the mainstream market is still largely a very specific type and look of porn. But I think that unfortunately reflects like some of the sweeping problems with our country, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it's unfortunate motherhood. for the culture. It's fortunate yeah. for you. Right. No, I've been, <laughs> I'm just a, I've been no, listen, <laughs> I have been a beneficiary <laughs> of the fact that, no, listen, real talk. I have had more opportunities and had more studios approach me to do stuff because I'm a Caucasian male with blue eyes. And right. that's just the reality. So and I have a big old benefit. hammer for a dick. Now, like the dick is a different thing, right? That's that's separate. But oh. you know, then so I have a responsibility now as a performer to say, like, to be more judicious on who I'm willing to film with. I kind of don't want to film any more porn with another Caucasian dude because right. we have enough of that, and there will always be someone filming that. And if the least that I can do is be like, okay, moving forward, I'm only going to film with models who aren't another Caucasian cookie cutter type guy who looks like me. You know that that opens the door for someone else then it's just up to the studios to do that kind of casting right um well speaking of your your hammer of a dick i'm really curious when you like realized you had a big dick and a dick for porn like were you like 13 and like oh shit my dick has dropped late so much later than that i i didn't have a ton of sex uh I was always a little bit more relationship oriented and I love to suck dick. So mostly it was me blowing some other dude and my dick wasn't out as much, Right. but I had a boyfriend at 29 and this is the first time I can remember somebody saying, wow, you have a big dick. And I, and I said, Oh, well, I guess I do. Okay. Up until then, <laughs> I never thought of like, Oh, you know, marching around with some big dick. Now then I'm in porn and it's, you know, so heavily featured and it's one of those things, you know, for years when I worked in in food and beverage, no one really knew or cared that I had a big dick. So it's also something that's more prevalent because it's part of my work. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> that well, <tracks. laughs> let's keep on going and let's move on to our next segment. It's time for Fuck, fuck Talk. Talk. But we've been... No. We've been talking about but fucking I, this whole time. I know, but and I'm so disappointed the- there isn't actually a food break anymore. Oh, uh, yeah, girl, lovely. Same. lovely. Well, I think we're gonna bring it back, but in this new sort of food challenge that we talked about at the top yeah. of the show. Because I wanna, yeah. I want us to talk about food a little bit more, but we're not in person, so we can't sort of share the same yeah. snack anymore. Basically, I was just trying to get some snacks. Yeah, <laughs> we should. We could have mailed them. They would have been, been late. They would have been late. You would have gotten them. Uh, all right, let's let's do some fuck talk. I feel we haven't talked about sex that much in this. No, not at all. Nothing. <laughs> ha- well, so why don't yeah. you go dip? Well, I I'm just I'm curious because uh you on Twitter obviously like post a lot of like, you know, um teases of videos from your OnlyFans account. Mm, sure. Um and I see you like some gym some gym videos on there. Ooh, some is public. public sex a thing that you're into? My biggest fetish is uh? 
being at a urinal in the men's room or in the back or in the locker room or in a men's room and having someone give you that nod and that eye toward the stall where Ooh. it's very impromptu. It's a total stranger. My heart is never beating faster than when that happens. Uh, it's totally my thing. If, if you're a hot guy and you see me in a, in a restroom or a locker room and you want to get it on, literally all you have to do is give me that wink or like flash me your dick and it's on. It's a done deal. It, can I just I say, sealed, this literally happened to me yesterday, not at, um, not at a stall, but in a parking lot. What? Where? Mm. Where were I, you? What? Delicious. What? I was I I I I was parked mm. at the grocery store. I was in like the back part of the thing. Mm. I had to. I was waiting. To I was parked my- behind the grocery I store. I was behind in the, the grocery store. In a, yeah. I don't I know like, why that guy showed me his cock. No, listen. I I had to, I I was gonna I was gonna get on a phone call with my family and I didn't. Listen, and I didn't have time to like get back to my apartment and it was going to be a FaceTime thing or whatever. So I just pulled over my car and I was sitting there. And as I was waiting, this car sort of circled around slowly and then pulled in front of me. And then we started looking at each other through his rear view mirror. And I sort of like pulled my mask down underneath my chin and he was looking at me and looking at that. And then he got out of his car and he undid his pants and he sort of like bounced his dick at me like it was still in his underwear but he sort of bounced his dick at me like as if he was just adjusting his pants did it feel like christmas morning i was like what do i do here and i was you like, get off gonna... that facetime with your mom and you go suck no, a stranger's dick baby I, cock, cock, yuck, you know i just didn't it wasn't you know there's a pandemic you know i was in a restroom once and uh it was in, I was actually on vacation with a friend of mine. I was in Paris and I was at a restaurant in the middle of the afternoon mm-hmm. and I was at a urinal and a guy next to me was sort of giving me the eye and he showed me his dick. And then I was like instantly so into it because now I'm on vacation and I'm in a foreign country. Mm-hmm. So we sort of waited for the bathroom to thin out. And then he went into a stall. I followed him in. We did a few minutes of like making out and fondling each other's dicks. But then I started thinking, all right, I don't know what the rules are in this country. I don't know what the rules are in France about like public sex or exhibition. I'm not a citizen. I don't know if the laws are more, if they're less, what would happen to me. So I kind of shut it down. And I was like, okay, I have to to go sit down. I can't do this. I went back to the table where my friend was waiting and my hands were still shaking so hard because I was so excited by the idea of that. It's totally my thing. Almost nothing else gets me so excited than that. Oh, my God. One time in New York, there was a bartender on the same train as me that I used to always see at Boiler Room. And he was, like, grabbing his junk. And I think he kind of wanted to, like, go somewhere else on the train because it was, like, four in the morning. But I was like, I don't know about any of this. I'm not about to suck a dick in between cars. It's the impromptu thing. In between trade cars? That's Baby, that's why why I heard they did it. I got to ask Mother Teresa about it. She would know. No, there's signs in New York that tell you how many people have died by being in between subway cars and falling or something. That's not a safe place to suck dick. When? I used to go pee between train cars all the time. Back in your youth when you had good balance. Back when I was wild, yeah. Pee onto that third rail and the electricity comes up. (laughs) It would get me, gal. All right. Well, um, Bruce, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Yes. The bucket list thing, so I can check that off now. Oh, that's the other thing you said. When you said bucket porn list. was bucket something list. on your bucket yeah. list, I said, I'm yeah. sure your bucket was on someone's list. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that bucket has been filled and filled. Well, uh, do, you, do you have anything to uh, uh, plug besides your home? Yeah, listen, well, that too, but also 100% my OnlyFans. I'm just, I just uh, started really, I was dating someone last year. Our agreement was solo content only. So now in 2020, as things become a little bit more safer to interact, I'm really going to start putting content back out there with guys. Um, yeah, baby. So it's I have a lot of stuff in the can that was in my can and, and uh, like there's just a, a broader variety. I did, a, I shot some footage last week uh, using a rimming chair that I've never done before. And um, just just trying to give a variety of content out there. So, just so everyone a knows a rimming money. chair is a toilet seat on stilts. That's right. I had a Basically, man bring one over a, to my apartment in like a, like a work, like a canvas work briefcase sure, and like sure. set it up for me to rim him. We were like, so. is that a ring light? No, it's a, it's a rimming <laughs> chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so definitely my OnlyFans, which is OnlyFans.com forward slash Bruce Beckham triple X. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Bruce Beckham triple X. I'm also on Instagram. It's Bruce Alanius, like miscellaneous. But those constant Instagram have me shadow banned, so you have to type the whole thing in. But if you just go to my Twitter, Bruce Beckham Triple X, all the links are there. Amazing. Awesome. And uh, also support Pitbull Rescues, because you're really into that as well. Yeah, I had a Pitbull for nine years. The sweetest, kindest, most loyal. It changed my life. Um, and one of my really good friends, Rebecca Corey, does a Pitbull organization called Stand Up for Pits. She's a working stand-up comic and television actress. Prior to COVID, she did a national tour every year of stand-up comedy with nationally known comics, raising money that helped fund uh, surgeries for Pitbulls that have been rescued from dog fighting rings because they always have atrocious injuries or their ears have been cut off or they've just been used and used burn marks, acid burns on the dogs to get them to be more aggressive. So she would fund all the surgeries and help for that. She also spays and neuters dogs for free so that they don't produce more puppies that would then need to have homes. So yeah, there's an organization called Stand Up for Pits that is one of my favorite charities. Always, always love them. Awesome. Well, we'll put their link in the description of this uh, uh, episode as well. Oh yeah, and if you're in LA and you want a little kitty, go to Lux Paws. They're a rescue... That's where I got my little kitty, whose life is normal now, and she's not a little cunt. It is her. How's the oh, house? It only smell? took a week and a half. It it's did only bad. take a week and a half, but she's nice now. Amazing. Little Debbie. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening to Sloppy Seconds. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at Sloppy Pod. Make sure to send us an email at Sloppy Seconds Pod at gmail.com or call in with your fuck talk story to 213 uh, Big Dipper is Big Dipper Jelly everywhere and I'm Spiciest Meatball on Instagram and Fat Drag Meatball on Twitter and don't forget to subscribe so you don't ever miss an episode which now come out every Tuesday and Friday Ooh, right. <laughs> that one was <laughs> okay we well. did it thanks for listening everyone right, bye, bye. doodle doot doot forever dog Sloppy Seconds is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media. Mom! Hosted by Big Dipper and Meatball. Mixed and mastered by William Pitt. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. Our artwork is drawn by Christian Cimarroni. And our theme song was written by Mike Malarkey.